we're gonna enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're gonna have another team meeting and we're gonna get locked in on next year. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast from The Athletic. I'm Nicole Auerbach, she's Grace Rayner, and we are checking in with you guys from the off season. It is um, technically the off season, although college football kind of never has a full off season. Um, and we're gearing up for, Grace, what, what are we calling it? Are we calling it like the second signing day, the late signing day? What, what do we call this one? I don't know. Like this, this needs to, ha- I don't. I just feel like even calling it signing day at all is weird. Right, when you're not actually signing anyone? Yeah, and it's like, I don't know. I kind of just, is this too much of a hot take that we, like, can we just bag the February one and just do everyone in December? Well, that's kind of what's happening, and and it's like a side effect that I don't think coaches were ready for, but everyone keeps calling that one the early signing day, but it's kind of, that's the The signing signing day. day. And this one's just kind of like the breadcrumbs left over, a couple key players who haven't signed or... You know, people are looking for who they're going to plug in with transfers and who they're not. But, you know, it, it really does feel like, and we'll get into this with Clemson in particular, but it really feels like coaches have already turned the page to 2021. Yes, they have, especially Clemson. I mean, we all saw the news Sunday night. They are signing. I mean, it just it just feels like this is a, a cycle that never ends. And now here we are with Corey Foreman, number one player in the nation. The list continues. Yeah, let's start there, um, and we'll get into some of the – you've done some um, projecting of depth charts for the fall um, because, again, we can never get enough. There is no off season. But let's start with the recruiting. Um, it was a big weekend for Clemson um, and the junior class, basically. Um, so walk us through what the commitments were, why they matter, and where they're coming from yet again. Yeah, so Corey Foreman was the big one, obviously, and – it's crazy to really think about this if you when you put it into context, but when Joseph Ngata um, signed with Clemson, he's now a rising sophomore, so this would have been a few years ago. He was the first um, California signee to come to Clemson since 1991. Since then, they've signed a California kid every year, and Corey Foreman's next in line. He's from Corona, California, goes to Centennial, um, five stars across the board, best player in the state, best player in the country, best player at his position. Um, so it just kind of, I don't know, it just, I mean, I know there's some a lot of excitement about it and a lot of um, hype around it, but it also just kind of feels like business as usual. Like I wasn't super stunned when I got on Twitter and saw, okay, Clemson's back at it. Right. It, it, it does feel that way. Um, and we've talked about this on this podcast, but I think it's worth revisiting. Just the fact that Clemson has gone so national and is able to go into California um, and pluck, you know, the best quarterback prospect, but but to pluck defensive linemen. And basically, you know, Clemson was already recruiting at a really high level, and now we're kind of, it's like up a notch. Um, we, we said that with the number one class for 2020 that they signed in December, but now clearly moving forward, um, you know, it, it, it's a different echelon. And it's fascinating because of the context of, especially Southern California, with the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 footprint and USC recruiting and even Oregon, um, because it feels like this wouldn't be possible if USC was just kind of cleaning up Southern California. Sure. I mean, what are their, do we know what their 2020 like class is going to end up ranked as? Last time we chatted with Ari Wasserman, God, that feels like so long ago. Um, but before the Fiesta Bowl, we were just talking about how crazy it is that a school like USC just can't, get get it together and keep so much talent right there in their backyard. 
Yeah, and it, it really has. I mean, I, I think there's a few reasons that you know some of these top talents are willing to go across the country to little old Clemson. Um, and I think you know, obviously, all games are on are televised. Um, you know, there is some assistance now for getting family members to you know college football playoff games and things like that. So it's not as scary to go so far from home. Um, and I think, you know, I would imagine with Dabo and what you see is what you get and recruiting, like it's pretty easy to figure out like what that experience is going to feel like. Um, but it is it is rare. And one thing in particular, you know, as we talk about defensive linemen and um, recruiting that position group is that there are really not that many in the Pac-12 footprint to start with, which is part of the reason that Pac-12 teams have struggled at the line of scrimmage against SEC teams and against te- you know some of these power te- teams in other leagues. Um, and so it's it's like kind of a double whammy, I think, for not just, you know, like USC and UCLA and like the places that should be kind of cleaning up in California and recruiting, but also just like the league as a whole um, to, to get someone that talented in that position and um, I mean, certainly like this year was weird for Clemson because we talked a lot about this, that their strengths defensively were not on the line. Um, but clearly that's being remedied. And, um, you know, we're going to get back to the point where, you know, it's a really impressive and kind of terrifying defensive front like we're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Clemson is I think that they are really good at identifying pretty early on what they need and who they want and I don't know it's just it's kind of become and we've we've talked about this a little bit off air about how you know Dabo Sweeney doesn't do spring official visits and it's become this kind of luxury that Clemson has Um, they can be extremely picky about who they want when they want them you know where they come from all that good stuff because um, there and it's just different this is not a this is not Clemson 10 years ago who had to really go out and sell themselves and who had to tell people Clemson is in South Carolina. And, you know, this is what this school is all about. I mean, it's just a completely, I would love to be able to go back in time and pick Dabo's brain from 10 years ago to see what he would think about recruiting in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, exactly. And like how, not that it would be easy, but just how much people would already know about you and be interested in you. Like you're saying, like sure. the opposite of having to do the sales pitch as much. Um, I, so I do I do have one more quick question and then we'll kind of slide forward back to like kind of the on-field product. But um, wh- how many early enrollees have like kind of got to Clemson and when does spring practice start? Like what are, what are kind of like those benchmark things for some of those top recruits in the number one signing class? Yeah, so a lot of them are already on campus. I want to say 16, um, but I will obviously double-check that, and if I'm wrong, I'll tweet that. But I think it's 16, 23 signed in December. A lot of them are on campus. The big ones are, are on campus. Brian Brzee, Miles Murphy, DJ Uyunglele. Really the only marquee guy that is, is not on campus now and that, will be, uh, that won't come until June is Demarcus Bowman, the running back from Florida, but – other than that, most of them are already in classes, you know, in, in the weight room, in the film room, doing all that good stuff. So that's a, a big advantage for Clemson. But, yeah, I mean, spring practice, golly, it starts in like 25 days. Wow. It, it's, it starts February 26, however many days that is from now. Um, so maybe 20, 26, 26, 27 days. Okay. So it's, it's coming soon, and we'll get the first look at, like, 
DJ and some of these really highly touted guys. Um, but let's talk about your projecting the um, depth charts. Let's start with the offense because I think, you know, that's clearly what I think people are going to focus on heading into the offseason. Um, and it, it really is, you know, kind of just such a luxury to have Trevor Lawrence back. Um, we've talked about, you know, how important it was for the surprise of Travis Etienne back. You have Justin Ross, you have Amari Rogers. Um, let's tell me what else uh, jumps out at you when you look at the offense coming back and, and kind of sliding and whoever is sliding up into projected starting roles. Yeah, I think the biggest luxury, like you said, is all this experience coming back. But I think there's two things that I'm looking at. Um, number one is Braden Galloway is now eligible to compete for your starting tight end job, which if you're Clemson, you're pretty excited about. Um, obviously, we know he had the year-long suspension because of the Austrian situation in 2018, but he should be good to go. Um, he's definitely the most athletic of all of those tight ends and was really projected to be the starter in 2019 before everything happened there. So I think that, I mean, Clemson really has not had, and we've talked about this, they have not had a true pass-catching tight end since 2016, since Jordan Leggett. So I think if you're Clemson, you're pumped that maybe Braden Galloway can kind of change that shift. So that's one of them. And then really the other thing I'm looking at if if you're Clemson is you're you're pretty pumped that I mean really in no other it, it sounds crazy to to think that like you're going to be okay when you lose a guy like T Higgins, but they're going to be just fine at wide receiver. I mean mm-hmm. Amari's back in the slot, Justin will slide over to Clemson's, you know, marquee boundary nine man spot and then for that two-man spot, the, the field receiver, you take your pick. Ngata, um, Frank Ladson, um, some of these freshmen coming to compete. I mean, they're going to – Tyler Grisham has inherited a pretty deep room already. Absolutely. And it is going to be interesting with a different, you know, assistant coach there. But um, it definitely seems like, you know, wide receiver U is definitely still a thing. Um, walk me through the O-line because I do think, you know, that is going to be something that's interesting just considering how many, how much they're losing there. Yeah, that I think is the biggest question, not just on the offense. I think that's the biggest question on the entire team is just how do you fill out this offensive line? I mean, they're losing more than 3,000 snaps from starting players just in 2019. Um, so basically... If we're going through the O-line, so left tackle, Jackson Carmen, obviously, will kind of hold things down there. That's like the one bright spot, I think, if you're Clemson, is you've got this this sophomore who's now a junior who's been there, done that. Um, you're good at left tackle. From there, I think Clemson feels pretty good about Matt Bockhorst at left guard. He's a guy that Dabo has really talked a lot about, just, just kind of like the gritty – um, likes to work, likes to grind, you know, just your quintessential offensive lineman. He's been a backup for a few years now. He's gotten some pretty good reps. So they feel good about him. Then you go over to center, Cade Stewart. Um, like a lot of these guys have, have gotten some good backup reps, um, and Cade Stewart was one of them at the center position behind Sean Pollard this year. But it's just when you look at the actual too deep is when I think that there are some some major questions. They have some good pieces. Jordan McFadden should be fine at right tackle. He also was a really good backup last year. But it's just filling it out. And, and like, what's what's the plan for these second stringers? Who Who is it going to be? And and before we move on to the defense, um, with, with the quarterback thing, I mean, you wrote about this. I mean, DJ, how are we saying it? How, how, Uyunglele? <laughs> Uyunglele. Okay, Uyunglele. Got it. Lele, yeah. Lele, okay. Um, for DJ. 
you wrote <laughs> that he could obviously become like the number two. I mean, he could be Trevor's backup. Everyone kind of expects that he's the guy that they're going to hand the reins off to when Trevor leaves. Um, how does Clemson approach recruiting and like figuring that out? Because it is such a tough position to recruit right now. And obviously they had the Kelly Bryant situation when he got beat out and he leaves. And and that's and that was a unique situation, but it happens everywhere where if guys get beat out, they don't want to sit for a year or they want to sit for two years or however it works. H- how has Clemson approached like the timing of their, their like elite quarterback recruits? Yeah, I mean, so, okay, we can go through this together. All the ones that have left since um, Deshaun. 27. Yeah, since, okay, so Deshaun leaves. So then we've got Hunter Johnson leaves, Kelly Bryant leaves, Chase Bryce leaves. Um, Tucker Israel leaves. I might be missing one. I'm There's I'm, a, just, I'm impressed that you said Chase Bryce and not Rice because I've been messing them up all week. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know we have to talk about the Bachelor here in a minute. But yeah, I mean, the when you look at Trevor and DJ, I think Clemson is very fortunate and probably knows they're very lucky timing wise. Like right as Trevor is going to be on his way out, DJ can then kind of take the reins and go from there. Um, but I think I don't know. I don't know. I don't think their approach changes. Like I think they like having a really deep quarterback room, and they understand. Okay, this is what's you know inevitable, and and maybe this is kind of the trend now is that we're going to lose some of these guys. But I don't think that it's keeping them from still wanting to and trying to sign them. I mean, we've talked about this too. Like Clemson really wanted Sam Howell, you know, the North Carolina quarterback, who if you would t- if you would tell anyone now that Sam Howell was going to come to Clemson and and be what their third stringer right um that's crazy I mean they the, the guy well I shouldn't say they the guys they were looking at in that class were Bo Nix Sam Howell and their actual third stringer this past season Tyson Pumachaw so they're still swinging for the fences um but it is kind of crazy that to to think that the this room has become so deep that some of these guys that we're seeing as really good starters at other power five programs were on their radar to come sit behind Trevor Lawrence Absolutely. And again, that's just the larger trend and it's happening in a lot of different places where as soon as you get beat out, you got to go somewhere else. And and I think, you know, stories like Justin Fields and Joe Burrow and places, you know, are kind of encouraging people to do that and find their right fit. But Clemson doesn't really have that problem. The handoff still seems like it will go the way that people want it to go. Um, so let's flip over to to the defense. Um, and, and I think that, you know, considering what LSU did to Clemson's defense, um, I think that there's probably a lot of interest in that side of the ball. It all comes down to this. Super Bowl 54. Who's going to be hoisting the trophy and spraying champagne when all is said and done? I think it's going to be the Chiefs, but maybe that's just because I kind of want to see if ketchup will be involved in the celebration. Their season will end on a winning note. And yours can too. This is your last chance to play fantasy football till next season with DraftKings the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from Super Bowl 54. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code RUN will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a free shot at a $1 million payday. Get in on Super Bowl 54 action. Download the DraftKings app now and enter the code RUN during signup. For limited time, all new users will get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code RUN and get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. 
See DraftKings.com for details. So walk us through um, what a defense without Isaiah Simmons looks like. Man, that's the million-dollar question, or in Brent Venables' case, the $2 million question. I mean, I just I don't think you re- you replace Isaiah just apples for apples. Like, I just don't think there's anyone on this team, anyone that's coming through, that's going to have the versatility, the unique skill set that he had. Um, so I think if you're Brent Venables, you just – Kind of do what he's done all these years is you cater to what you do have. Um, but you can Isaiah's direct backup um, was Mike Jones Jr. And you spent some time with Mike Jones, Nicole, mm-hmm. at um, National Championship Media Day. And this is, like, not a knock on him, but they're just not even built even really closely no. to each other. But he was very nice and very enjoyable to talk to. He is to. very nice. <laughs> yeah, he is a super great guy. Um, but there's just not really a guy like Isaiah. So I think that Venables will kind of figure out – how he wants to figure that out. The good news for him is that Skowski is back at Mike linebacker. So that's a huge piece, a huge core of your defense that returns. Um, And then Balen Spector is probably going to play the will. Mike Jones will probably play the Sam. So at linebacker, you got some good depth. The biggest question though, for Brent Venables moving forward is all right. The secondary Kayvon is gone. Tanner mm-hmm. Muse is gone. AJ Terrell is gone. Like, what is this going to kind of look like? Right. But I mean, I do think, especially, you know, you've got to look at like, um, you know, a defensive tackle with what you bring back. You've got to think that like the line itself will take a big step forward. Right. I mean, that he can probably yes. adjust back to some of the things that he has done where his defensive line is the strength of the defense. Yeah, I expect uh I really I really do expect to see more traditional four down linemen looks yeah. in twenty twenty just because the I mean you've got Xavier Thomas back, you have Justin Foster back, you've got Brian Brzee coming in, Tyler Davis is back, Niles mm-hmm. Pinkney is back, Jordan Williams is back. Yeah, I mean that line is It's suddenly like there's the experience it, that they didn't have this year. Totally, yeah. It's like suddenly like very loaded. Yeah. I think that's what's gonna be really interesting is that like some of Clemson's strengths um, are if you were looking for weaknesses last season, like they will be potentially the strengths, sure. um, which is always what happens when you're young in certain spots. Um, and then, you know, they're not eligible to leave yet. Right. Like, you, you know, you get that experience um, in coming back. So I, I feel like, you know, these are all going to be kind of like those big storylines to um, to track as we get into spring football. And obviously you're going to be writing about these guys a ton. Um, but I, I do think that that's what's going to be most fascinating. And are we going to get closer to seeing, like, Jake Venables, like, break into – like, are we getting any closer to seeing the coaches' kids, like, (laughs) get more real playing time? I think so. I mean, Jake Venables quietly had a really good season in 2019. He – let me see if I can find his stats right now. So he'll be be behind Skalski. So he's kind of at a tough spot because, obviously, Skalski's a veteran and – has been there and will obviously hold that starting spot down all year unless he gets hurt or something happens. But um, Venables had nine and a half tackles for loss in 2019, which was third yeah. on the team, only behind Isaiah and Justin Foster, which is pretty – I don't know. I didn't realize that until I started to look at the numbers. And obviously yeah, both we're getting of those guys closer to, like, the coaches' kids become starters and, like, you know, this whole thing. I mean, you wrote about their high school team and, and where they came from and all that. I, ju- I just think that stuff's cool. And, and obviously that was, like, an important factor – for Brent Venables not leaving a couple years ago when he uh, could have. So um, I know those are all just little things that I will be tracking and I'm sure you will as we head into the off season. Um, did anything jump out while you were doing these 
projections? Like anything that surprised you about like certain groups or players that are closer to being impact players than you thought or anything like that? I don't know if anything surprised me. I will say I'm really excited at some point and we won't see him in the spring because he's not in early and early, but I'm excited to see what this never played high school football, but going to play Clemson football kicker Tanner Tyson yeah. is going to be like, like I, I just find that whole thing very fascinating. Yeah. And especially after the way the kicking went this year, for sure. Um, super interesting. Well, before we go, Grace, um, it is Super Bowl weekend and we love to cook and we love to talk about our cooking. So I need to know what is the menu Ooh. that Grace is is going to be providing for guests at the Super Bowl party. Yeah. Oh, wait. Are you having a party? Um, so I was originally supposed to go visit one of my college best friends, um, but her she has like a infant and the infant got the flu. Oh, so no. baby's got baby sick and then she doesn't feel great. So I'm no longer going there. So I think what I'm going to do is just like have a friend or two over, cook lots of super unhealthy foods and just like watch with red and hang out. Um, instead of like going to a bar, I feel like I don't really want to do that for oh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like I feel like you got to be like on a couch somewhere. A hundred percent. I also love being like the host because then you can just like be in your sweats all day yes. and you don't have to drive So anywhere. mine will be pretty low key, but I do plan on making like a good amount of unhealthy food. So walk me through, like, are you having a full on party? Like how many people, how many apps? What okay. are you doing? Okay. So I will be with my boyfriend, Brett, who um, is having probably, um, I would say no more than 10 of our friends over. So okay. it'll be good like, size. Good size. Yeah. It'll be a good size. He just got a new couch. He's very excited about it. Um, so we spent last weekend, which I blew your phone up. You already know this. Yes. Um, recipe testing. And um, the big, our two favorites were, we had this recipe for um, buffalo chicken wontons, which were really good that we're going to make. And then um, this one would actually be really good for you, Nicole, because I know you don't like the tomatoes in the caprese salad, but mm-hmm. we made skewers and they were so good. It was like um, meatball mozzarella, tomato, basil, and then repeat and like load it up on skewers and like drizzle it in balsamic. You would like that sans tomatoes. Should I make that? They were really good and they're very aesthetically beautiful. Was there anything that you recipe tested that didn't like? Like did you Um, did you like decide you're not making something? Because like everything you sent me looked delicious. Let's see that we didn't like. We're gonna do wings too, but we didn't test those because Brett usually makes wings pretty regularly. Um, I don't know. I think we liked everything. We recipe tested um, not for the Super Bowl party, just for our own fun. Some like copycat Starbucks egg bites that were really good, but the toppings kind of rose straight to the top. So I need to figure out how to get the toppings more ingrained, like in the whole. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yes, that is a challenge. I have no idea how to fix that. I don't know how to fix it either. Like, I guess maybe, like, chop the spinach a little smaller. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to do – I always do pepperoni bread. It's my go-to. Oh, Um, yeah. Oh, I should make that now that I have You should. I did show you how to make it. Super easy. You should do that. And then probably, like, buffalo chicken dip and, you know, just kind of some some basics. Again, it's probably only going to be a few people, but, you know, I mean, leftovers are good forever, so – um, we're going to do some of that. I, I love like I love Super Bowl parties and Super Bowl party food. Like my family always used to have them like we would invite like 20, 30 people. Like my parents still do that. Actually, they let me pick squares every year um, oh, at amazing. their party. 
But so it's always a good day. Football and food. And it's like, you know, it's our send off into many months without football and Super Bowl party food. So um super excited about that. And then we have five hours of The Bachelor next week, Grace. Oh, it's my like, gosh. What are they doing to us? It's going to be a challenge to get through. We have a three-hour show on Monday and a two-hour show on Wednesday. And, I mean, this is the only good kind of information you give me from Reality Steve is that at least we're going to be, like, way down to, like, six contestants by the end of it. Thank God. But oh it's going to be time. It's a slog. I mean, we're going to really be breaking. I mean, if you're going to be at Brett's the whole time, you're going to break in that couch because you're, like, not going to move from Sunday through Thursday. <laughs> I just don't – like, have they given us a reason why they're basically doubling our – Oh no! Almost tripling our weekly viewing of the show. Like, did some? Do they have too much material? I don't just don't understand. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think we're gonna get to the part where Peter like cuts his head open. Um, I hope there's footage of this, but unclear. I was I was having this conversation with one of my friends who has not been following along and was like confused at why in some of the previews he has like a giant bandage on his forehead. I was like, (laughs) oh yeah, he fell like face forward golfing. They claim he's sober. We'll see. So He's definitely not sober. No. Allegedly. How else do you fall face first into something? You catch yourself with your hands if you're, you know, kind of cognizant of the world. So um, hopefully we'll at least get to see that because, I, you know, that I'm interested in. And they did play like, again, there's so much crossover with college football and um, and football in general. Like they did play tackle football at the Browns stadium last week. Like that was they did. that was real football. They didn't know who how was, to do who it. Was, whose tweet was it? Was it Roger's tweet about how, like, that might be the first champagne celebration at the Brown Stadium? <laughs> yes, and it was for a tie on The Bachelor. <laughs> so it was it was very fitting. It was very fitting. Um, so we will keep you guys abreast with all the latest Bachelor developments as well. And we will be back next week for another podcast um, from Protect the Rock, all things Clemson, wrapping up the second signing day like the the late signing day the look ahead to 2021 signing day whatever we're gonna call it um grace and i'll be back with you for next week so everyone enjoy the game enjoy the bachelor and we'll talk to you soon